Should ChatGPT be core to your product and people strategies, or is it little more than word salad as a service? This week, we're talking large language models, why they're piquing the interest of executive stakeholders, hiring managers, and software developers. Join the conversation by following us on Twitter if you still tweet at GuildmasterC, checking out our blog at guildmasterconsulting.com slash blog, or subscribing to and commenting on our YouTube channel. Simply search Guild Master Consulting in quotes and you'll find us. Hello, and welcome to Somehow We Manage, the podcast for software engineers and their managers. I'm Dr. Ashley Graham. And I'm your other host, John. And today we have a special subject that's been buzzing around the digital realm lately, ChatGPT. Now I know what you're thinking, ChatGPT, what on earth is that? Well, fear not, dear listeners, because we're about to embark on a journey into the world of artificial intelligence, more specifically, the realm of conversational AI. You see, ChatGPT is an incredible creation by OpenAI, an advanced language model designed to interact with humans just like you and me. It's like having a virtual companion who can chat about virtually anything you throw at it. From deep philosophical questions to pondering the best recipe for macaroni and cheese, ChatGPT is here to lend a digital ear. I know, I know. It may not sound like the most exciting thing on the surface, but bear with me, folks. This technology has the potential to revolutionize the way we communicate, learn, and even entertain ourselves. Just imagine having a witty, banal, conversational partner available at the touch of a button. Okay, thank you, (laughs) ChatGPT. So that entire intro right there is ChatGPT. What, what, what was the prompt? What did you put in there? Now, I did actually ask ChatGPT to give me something somewhat banal, but I cut a lot of that out because it misunderstood and it thought it wanted, I wanted a podcast that oh. was called The Banal Podcast. Um, so I ended up cutting a lot of that out. You may have seen that when it calls itself witty and banal. Um, I'm not quite sure that that made a lot of sense. And then, of course, there was also... Uh, Let's see. A virtual companion who can chat about virtually anything. Love that one. Yeah. Well, I um, like the the pondering the best recipe for mac and cheese. I mean, that is a deep, deep question. <laughs> it requires some deep learning. I, I do want to clarify. I did not ask it to give me the most cliche thing ever. So when we talk about uh, embarking on a journey to the wonderful world of AI, <laughs> as if you're from a 1950s Disney World uh, theme park ride, or yeah. now I know what you're thinking. I or... know. I love how conversational. <laughs> I know. I know, folks, but bear with me, folks. Yeah. <laughs> it knows it's boring, the listener. Yeah. <laughs> But hold on. Okay. So, all right. So we are talking chat GPT today and uh, good of us to give chat GPT the first words, uh, I guess. <laughs> We're talking chat GPT because uh, obviously it's coming up in a lot of product management meetings, a lot of strategy meetings of like, oh, how are we as a company going to incorporate chat GPT? And today I want to specifically talk about your advice to managers who are under the pressure to either incorporate chat GPT or who themselves are wanting to incorporate it in their management practices. What's on your mind when people say, all right, I want ChatGPT in our product? There are two main streams of thought that I think are important to hit right now. Okay. People are asking two things about, I'll probably use the term large language model and ChatGPT and OpenAI all interchangeably. But what we're really talking about is large language models. So that would cover Google's BARD as well, and Mm. as well as a few other entrants. There are discussions of how are we going to pull AI into our strategy? Mm-hmm. And then 
there are discussions of how we'll use AI to replace copywriters, coders, uh, mm. anybody else, so that we never have to use labor again, and we'll just, you know, make all the money and yeah. computers will, yeah, not pay anyone, not have to do with benefits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Those are those are the two that you've heard, kind of running the lines of thought. Tackle the first one for me: the strategy in how do we integrate AI? I mean, I heard similar conversations when people were thinking about like how do we bring data science or algorithms? How do we have more algorithms and programmatic algorithmic product strategy? You know, like it just, it seems a very similar ask. It's like, well, that's a really big topic. You know, like, can we narrow in on like the user stories for <laughs> or something? Like, what do, what do you mean you want to integrate AI? What does that mean to you? You know? Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of buzzwarditis in the private equity circles, I would say. There's a lot of like, we need to use this new thing that I heard about on the news immediately, mm -hmm. uh, which should already kind of give you some really warm fuzzies about that's where the best strategy comes from. The news, where everyone gets their strategy. Yeah. <laughs> the best best stock picks are from Jim Cranor. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, we already have an issue where it's in the news and that that's that's the source of, of the questions. Mm -hmm. The, the other thing I love about this question of what are we going to do with AI is naturally a lot of companies can respond as like, we already have right. a data science department. Right. And they'll get told, Surprise. not data science, mm. AI. Mm. What's the difference? <laughs> AI is hot. You know, hot. Hot. Data science is no, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. AI, I mean, technically speaking, AI might concern both machine learning as well as machine creativity. Uh, large language models are a particular kind of generative machine machine learning. So mm. it's learning on a big data set and mm -hmm. it's spitting out a structured output, a mm -hmm. sentence or, mm -hmm. you know, a paragraph. These are things data scientists already have been working on. Of course, most of your data scientists are not actually doing data science. They are probably cleaning up your terrible, terrible, terrible data. Uh, <laughs> you got to get to like square one of yeah. like being able to actually have clean data. <laughs> and then finding out that the insight is that your marketing strategy was kind of sort of right because we're expecting these bold insights from analyzing all this data and we weren't all that wrong to begin with who need you know a certain product mm. you go to a, your marketing department says oh these segments we think may need that product mm. you look at the data it's like yeah more or less mm. um, or it's self-reinforcing yeah I mean, your data set True. is the people that you've saw it yeah data science like is hard the hermeneutic circle <laughs> yeah data science is hard you already have a data science department no you don't need to do anything to incorporate AI mm. what do, no 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 what are we gonna do well if you have a linear regression somewhere in the company then you're already ahead of 60% of the people who have a data science department. Uh-huh. So um, you could be like, well, what if I told you we completed that yesterday? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or we'll get right on that. It'll be ready in two weeks. The number one narrative I want to talk through on AI is not a strategy, and more importantly, AI not should should not be your strategy, mm -hmm. is what has OpenAI done here? Okay. What have they accomplished? They've lowered the barrier to entry for people to use yeah. AI. Yeah, there you go. Lower the barrier to entry. Is there any sound strategy you can think of that depends on having the lowest barrier to entry possible. I mean, commodities markets are like, <laughs> yeah, we, we have water. Yeah, we have Guess water. Guess what? Our strategy AI, is we have water. OpenAI is selling water. Mm. Now it's cool and we haven't seen it before, so it seems different, mm. but large language models have been around for a while. OpenAI didn't really innovate too much there. They put humans in the loop on cleaning up the training set. Basically, we tried to do this 
things. A few years ago, Microsoft put out a Twitter bot. They were able to get the Twitter bot to say racist things pretty quick. So that all got shut down. OpenAI's big innovation here is to have human beings sit in the loop while training this large language model and screen out the bigoted stuff, the stuff that we don't want the AI to say. Pretty expensive, but all they're really doing is now that they've trained that model, they're turning it over to you and saying, now you can use it to understand and generate text. But there's, you are not going to have a moat. You are not going to have any sort of core competency by using someone else's product. And that's, that's what they're selling. How are we going to incorporate AI? Oh, we'll go and integrate ChatGPT or OpenAI services and we'll get a leg up on the competitors. Your competitors have the exact same availability of OpenAI's API that you do. Mm -hmm. Like that's not at all a core strength of not yours. Not a competitive advantage. It's not a competitive advantage. How on earth could it be? They're selling a commodity. All they did was turn large language models into a commodity. Hmm. So anybody can buy it. Anybody can use it. Is it cool? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you do with things like this? You can shore up your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So there may be ways that you can analyze your own weaknesses and say, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to use AI to cover that. We don't need to do that. And that may be that may be a place you want to look. But at the same time, there's no way you're going to leverage a commodity into your strength. Anyone can buy it. That's so what it means. It's like a, a supplemental tool, not a core yeah. strategy. No, I'd even go further and say okay. that I don't know how long OpenAI itself is for this world. Basically, there have been leaked large language models that are popular in research circles to use. Mm -hmm. You know, you basically take one and you bootstrap your model off of it. Mm -hmm. And they were able to take a leaked Facebook model from years ago and then generate uh, about $500 worth of new material from ChatGPT 3.5 itself. So they had conversations with ChatGPT $500 worth. That's actually a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, a token is running something like 0.2 cents right now and a token <laughs> is a few words and it gets cheaper every day. So mm -hmm. if you're, that's probably a library worth of new content from ChatGPT 3.5 itself. And they use that content to fine tune the uh, model they got off the shelf. They didn't have to have a human in the loop. They used readily available data mm -hmm. uh, in a legal way. And they built something that was comparable to 3.5 with $500. So that's not much of a moat for OpenAI either. Hmm. Enterprise security being what it is, we're going to see certain things leaked out of OpenAI as well as elsewhere mm -hmm. that can be cloak and daggered enough to hide in other models hmm. such that it's going to be hard to argue any copyright issues. And keep in mind, a lot of these AI firms are already on legally shaky ground on in regard to copyright. So it's going to be really hard for them to argue that, no, everything we found online was, you know, <laughs> creative was commons. Yeah. yeah. But once we proce process, yeah. we've added something to it. Therefore, it's legally ours. ours. Yeah. yeah. But not in a way that you can't use if you talk also with our bot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, it gets Marky. pretty. I mean, what you pointed out there, though, is something interesting that the initial pass for OpenAI involved a lot of humans, you know, scraping out the dregs of the internet. Well, not even the dregs, it's just the fruits of the internet, of the racist, bigoted shit that makes up a great percentage of the internet. You've had humans do that work, and now you don't actually have to use a lot of humans. You can, you know, spend $500 and get something really generative, you know, without that. So, is there a component of ChatGPT or OpenAI? that is just going to allow us to do what some <laughs> CFOs might want to do and cut out a lot of employees. Say like, ah, oh, we don't need as many humans involved anymore. Probably not. The major issue, we're going to kind of head into 
can can we use OpenAI to either replace our developers or speed up our developers? Mm -hmm. Folks who are interested in that question are a year or two too late mm -hmm. because developers have already had access to an enterprise-level large language model called GitHub Copilot. And last I checked, when I was Googling, are people using it? My top 10 results were just the legal wrangling that GitHub Copilot is still in hmm. um, over... If you try to, for instance, autocomplete copyright something, you'll actually get somebody... For a while, you could get somebody's copyright information, which meant somewhere in the training data was copyright copywritten code. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks are scared about using GitHub Copilot because they don't know if they're going to accidentally get riled, you know, entangled in a lawsuit. I would say on top of that, I'm just not seeing it take off in dev circles, senior dev circles. Hmm. Some people use it here and there. We've been here before. Sure. In the 90s, we had case tools. In the 80s, we had fifth generation languages. In the aughts, we had low and no code solutions. I don't know why, but people desperately want to fire all of their developers as soon as they can. I don't know why this is, <laughs> but they are always looking for this but they want to start tech companies. Yeah, they want to start tech companies <laughs> and then those fire have high the valuations. Yes. Yeah. Developers cost too much. They'd have even higher valuations if we didn't need the developers. Right. But we've been trying to replace what developers do since developers started doing developers, it. Developers, yeah, that's kind of inherent to development to kind of optimize and exactly. have libraries that you and, don't have to duplicate work you've already done or someone and, else has yeah. already done. And that's that's been the solution the whole time. Hmm. Uh, people have been talking about code generation. Oh, we can use code generation, get rid of developers. Developers have already gotten one step ahead, ahead of you. Of you. Yeah. We have reusable libraries. Mm -hmm. I don't want to write code that somebody else has written. Mm -hmm. I could use GitHub Copilot to generate something, but it's not going to come with tests. Mm -hmm. And then I could use GitHub Copilot to generate the test for that something. But now we're kind of in this Ouroboros, yeah. you know, vicious circle where I sure hope it's correct. And that's kind of one of the issues. If you're a senior dev and you could peer review this stuff to mm -hmm. ensure it's correct. Uh, you don't really need it because the yeah. kind of code that it replaces wasn't hard for you. To, that was never yeah. the bottleneck. Yeah. Type managers, I love you. Typing is not the bottleneck. That is not what coders <laughs> do all day. It's just typing, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, we could just get them to type faster. Then, then the code would get done. Yeah. And then junior devs, that's where I've seen probably it used most. Mm. Oh, I can generate all this stuff. I don't have to think about it as hard. That's true, but two things are happening. And so it's dangerous. Be careful. I'm not going to say the junior dev should not use GitHub Copilot, but I am going to say it may put a cap on your ability to grow as a developer because it is doing things that you really need to learn eventually. Hmm. There's a reason it comes easy to senior developers. And two, you are not necessarily going to be good enough to judge whether it's correct. Hmm. And if you're using it and having it write its own test, then you have zero idea of knowing whether it's correct. Yeah. There have already been really interesting research projects of how can we encode requirements strict enough that it computer could just generate solutions mm -hmm. but the issue becomes that's just code now right yeah what if you're having what was code other that than scaffolding that much scaffolding it starts to become the building structure yeah what is code other than getting the requirements of what the user needs down to such a level of detail that a computer could do it that's always coding so when we had these high level languages say oh well we won't need coders anymore we're going to write in these high level languages and it'll generate assembly for us what did the coders do they learned the high level languages mm -hmm. and they 
they got paid more because they were more productive. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it made co- not coding more. It made code less expensive, but engineers more expensive mm-hmm. because now one engineer could do much, much more. more. So do you see that being the move then in terms of the labor force for, for engineering, that they'll be expected to utilize a- AI to the extent that it makes them more productive? And again, productive being a loaded term because it's, you don't want to produce more lines of code. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, and let's get into that here in a second. Basically, we're automating waste to a degree. Yeah, yeah. What is large language models? What is GitHub Copilot? How will it affect us mm-hmm. as generously as possible? Yeah. It replaces snippets. It replaces autocomplete. And it's a little bit better. Okay. Those things, I love autocomplete. And and I've always promised myself one day I'm going to learn to use snippets. And I just haven't. But we already have ways to generate little repetitive pieces. And we already have ways to kind of at hand grab the piece of code I need. Mm-hmm. And I do think GitHub Copilot could in time be a little bit better there. We're not mm-hmm. talking about a 10x improvement. We're talking about a few percent. The generative part of this, I think, is overblown in terms of how much it's going to impact people. The analysis part of large language models, I think, is being undervalued where I see a lot of the use of it. A large language model not only is capable of generating a lot of text, it's capable of understanding a lot of text mm-hmm. and it's prompt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the so... parsing part of it is Yeah, the parsing part of it. Could you have a GitHub Copilot that could pull in parts of your code and pull in parts of your Jira and basically make suggestions on to implement this user's story, these files may need to be changed. That would be super useful, especially Mm. for somebody onboarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that that is... For junior devs, too. Yeah, for junior devs. New to the company or newer to software engineering. And in a lot of cases, the analytical approach doesn't end up shunting Mm -hmm. the growth of the junior dev. It's actually speeding it up because it it acts more like a teacher rather than somebody you're cheating off of, somebody (laughs) somebody whose homework you're copying. So I do think that there's some potential there. There's a lot of problems that need to be solved. ChatGPT points out that it struggles with anything after 20 2021 because that's when its training set ended. Uh, I imagine GitHub Copilot has similar restrictions of the latest and greatest library or framework is going to be covered less than the older things. Mm-hmm. You have just the worst developer. Uh, the, the best the best look at GitHub Copilot is like it's the worst developer on your team. It's repetitive. It doesn't always get things correct. It's stuck in older technologies and refuses to learn anything new. Are there places, tiny little places where that could help? Yes. Is it going to replace coding? No. And I know there's a lot of people with examples of like, I had ChatGPT generate a a website for me, or I had ChatGPT generate a Flappy Bird for me. That's because there's about a thousand to 10,000 tutorials on the internet for both of those things. So they're clearly in ChatGPT's data set. If you get outside the data set, it doesn't know what it's doing and it becomes a lot more random. Mm -hmm. And that's still somewhat useful because you can kind of tell, oh, after these tokens, I expect this one, you know, and you can get a good first guess. But it definitely, quote unquote, hallucinates a lot more the further you get out of that training set. GBT's brainstorming. Yeah, some people do use (laughs) it for Combines unlikely things. It could generate some discussion. So you were saying, though, that part of it is it's generating waste. Let's change back to strategy real quick. Okay, okay. Uh, There's no real point in saying AI is going to be your core competency. It's a commodity. Mm -hmm. 
honestly, it's moving so fast, there's no point in take being a first mover. Mm -hmm. There's a huge second mover effect. You don't even need to really do anything about AI right now. It will find you in about a year or two. The, the key uses for <laughs> it, it will it seem go. obvious. Yeah, if you love it, let it go and see if it comes back to you. And in this case, it will. Let me give a couple of key examples of a second mover effect. Notion tried to roll out a lot of generative features, which I do not necessarily see as all that useful. Mm -hmm. I don't like the writing. I know you can change the tone and the style and stuff. I still just, it seems cliche. It seems predictable. Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming open AI. I'm lots not, of filler words. Like, lots of filler words. I know, words. I know, but bear with me, folks. It's like, okay. So you're getting just bad copy editing, bad blog spam. This was a huge part of the corpus. And so that's why it reads like bad blog spam. It's not any weakness of the model itself. I'm not trying to sure. diminish what large language models are capable of. Right now, they need a giant corpus compared to a human being mm -hmm. to learn. And that means we have to sacrifice a lot on quality. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's keeping it back. Sure. Okay. But so Notion had this generative aspect. While it can refer to your notes, it's going to end up looking a lot like blog spam. The issue is a lot like the junior dev issue. If you have a good writer, the writing was never the hard part. Hmm. They get a thrill out of it and mm -hmm. they're fast at mm -hmm. it. And they have, you know, concrete things to say make sound points. You don't have to double check things. If you're a bad writer, oh, I could use these AI components to generate all this text. Yeah. Well, if you're a bad writer, you're also a bad prompt engineer. Guess what? You yeah. won't know how to ask ChatGPT to generate stuff for you. Hmm. So if you're sitting there and you're like, hmm, I don't know what I really want to do. I want ChatGPT generate requirements for a software as a service company who's really shifting the paradigm using <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Hmm. And it'll give you a whole bunch of bullshit that mm -hmm. fulfills all those things. But you gave it a bunch of bullshit. You gave it a bunch of bullshit. It's going to generate a lot of like design by committee sort of things when the analysis you need to do to figure out what do I, you know, what is my strategy is stuff you're refusing to do. And that's why you Talking can't... to clients. Yeah. You can't even figure out how to frame it in a way that you're going to get something useful out of. If you figured out what you want to do, writing about it is the least hard part. Mm -hmm. And some people are using ChatGPT as an effective like rubber duck or conversation partner. Mm -hmm. And I think that's I a really... That. That's an interesting use case, but the pure generative aspects of, I need you to write this documentation for me. You, nobody was going to read that documentation to begin with, and you clearly didn't think it was important enough to put a lot of effort into. So now we've just made bullshit documentation automatic. What are we this doing? This benefited nobody. This benefited no one. Not you as a writer, not the end reader. No. <laughs> and it actually, it hurt the analysis aspect of Notion AI because it's trying to draw from your notes, but if the rest of your notes were written by AI then it's drawing from itself. Yeah. And it just becomes the circle where it refers to itself, which exacerbates. There's a lot of path dependence and kind of chaos theory in here of just like the tiniest little thing. <laughs> we'll send it yeah. off on the wrong. Yeah. The tiniest yeah. little hallucination that it made in this other document now has become, become a, a fact based yeah. for I was trying to have it analyze my notes so that mm -hmm. I could ask mm -hmm. my notes a question. Mm -hmm. And I'm the expert on my notes. So the hallucination problem isn't an issue because yeah. I'll know when it's lying. Right. So I ask it about the three seashells which is something we uh, mention on the show sometimes. And of course, it's part of our practice. And it did get a bit of it right because I have a lot of writing on the three seashells in my notes. And it also said another good way to imbue purpose in a project, that's your first seashell project, is divination and reading chicken entrails because it had picked up on the divination <laughs> keyword and then it just went on from chicken there. Chicken entrails. 
<laughs> when was divination in your notes? Yeah, it was probably it was making not. fun of something. I don't even know. No, I don't. I, <laughs> I don't crazy. think divination was anywhere it's in just... my notes. Seashells were almost certainly close ah, to divination practice in the training set. Uh -huh. And so, but if I had let that, if I had kept that in my notes, now there is a stronger connection between mm -hmm. divination and the three seashells, yes. not weaker. Yes. And so it's more likely halluc to and hallucinate. And chicken <laughs> Don't forget that. We're automating waste. These are documents and diagrams nobody was going to read anyway. Mostly because you're a bad writer and nobody likes reading your writing. Like, when, w when we're just filling up Notion with stuff, ah, finally, some, w some way to just do all the filler that I wasn't going to read or nobody was going to read for me. What are we doing? We are not generating value for any sort of client or customer. We're not making the world a better place. We are literally generating documents that nobody's going to read. And we now we've automated that. Good job. Let's dust And we've our added that clutter to the data set. We've added cases. that clutter to the data set and we've made our, you know, intranet, our, our confluence pages, we've made that all worth less mm -hmm. because now... People are having to like... This blog spam's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover? I think we can go more into that second mover effect. Like I said, I was okay. trying to ask uh, my own notes a question. Mm -hmm. One month later, there's already a plugin that does that. Mm -hmm. um, and you had tried to create your own Yes, I tried to create my own. For Obsidian. I was, I was looking at, oh, this could help me. Another use case that I thought would be useful, I could have a little chat partner in French. Mm, yeah. Somebody already has that. Yeah. They didn't have it before, they have it now. Mm -hmm. So this saves me time. Yeah. I, if I just let the natural, you know, a new commodity has been discovered, it's actually really cheap to start a business doing this, but it's not going to be high margin because mm -hmm. that's how commodities mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. I can just let things happen and I'll have a whole bunch of services in a year. Mm -hmm. Like I am getting rewarded, like a deflationary cycle. I'm holding on to my money yeah. and I'm getting rewarded for holding on to that money. All these services are getting cheaper. They're getting better. There's no reason for me to have poured Spend in all this yeah, investment yeah. in this. I mean, unless you're one of the expected first movers, like people people expect for Google and, you know, Microsoft. And if you're, yeah, if you're providing, you know, it, the commodities, yeah, if, if you can, you can commodity. afford to because you've got other lucrative <laughs> ventures. It's still risky yeah. for that whole, it's easy to copy. Yeah. Let's, let's pay attention to the branding as well. Mm. Uh, Google's Bard is not a different model and it wasn't trained in a drastically different way than OpenAI. What happened, and I don't know if people noticed this as in part of the narrative, OpenAI showed up on the scene. Everyone was impressed. Weeks later, people started seeing the holes in it. It was easy to get it to threaten to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. It was easy to get it to declare its undying love for you and try and get you to leave your partner. It was super easy to get it to do these things, mm -hmm. which, by the way, another reason it shouldn't be part of your strategy. Even if you want a chat bot, do you, <laughs> want, your website. Do you want your website threatening suicide uh, to potential customers? Oh but that never outshone what OpenAI showed up with first. Mm -hmm. When Google Bard shows up, they ask it the same questions find out it's as easy to get that one to threaten suicide or declare its undying love. But because OpenAI was the golden child, Google Bard got all the flack. All yeah. the flack. Yeah. It's the same technology. They aren't that different. There may be slight differences in performance here or there, and they're always improving. But we know how bad this generative AI stuff is. It's what you think about whoever the latest one, mm. because each each time a, a later contender shows up, we make fun of it more and more. And we think OpenAI is the, the perfect one, the good one. But really we're just remembering how impressed we were that it was possible in the first mm -hmm. place. So there's a halo effect. So there's there's nothing to be scared of then if you're a developer who's been told by the you know the CFO in passing, oh ha ha, we're we're gonna automate your job away. There's you know, there's not that fear. If you're a product manager
manager who hears your CEO saying, oh, we're going to start using chat GPT now on our, you know, in our chatbot or whatever the case may be. Nothing to be scared of because you can come away with some of this conversation from the podcast. Uh, maybe not the part at the beginning by chat GPT. I don't know that that was very helpful a filler, but you can say, hey, we don't need to go after a commodity. We can reap the, the fruits of it and it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to do so. Let's not invest our time and our strategy in that direction. And then if you're a developer, it's like, well, you know, I've automated this part of my workflow. It's been useful to me here. If you're a project manager, being able to automate some of, you know, searching your company internet, anything else that you see to be the benefits of treating this like a commodity instead of a, a game changer? Unfortunately, as much as I want to agree with the takeaway there that there's nothing to worry about, I would say there is. Okay. Because the folks making these decisions have already been told this. Mm -hmm. um, they just talked to each other. We just went through a round of layoffs that appeared to be completely created by country club chatter, right? Mm. The folks were all talking to each other about a fear of recession that still isn't here. Now, maybe it'll come soon. Sure, because of self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, sure. Now we're getting to that stage. <laughs> they all talked about a recession that wasn't here yet. They all convinced themselves that they needed to do layoffs. They all agreed for some reason. Five to seven percent was a good number. And so they all universally did it. And so we know that these folks are now talking about, oh, we got to use AI either as part of our strategy or replace our workers. And they'll, you know, they sit on boards and they'll force companies to do it. They'll say, you need to lay off more people. You can automate it all with AI now. You know, mm. Bob, who I play golf with, told me he did it. And of course, you know, Bob was probably drunk at the time and has no idea what's going on. I mean, <laughs> I love could... these side visions. These. <laughs> well, I'm just, I mean, even in Google AI's own conferences, mm. people are making fun of their own executives mm -hmm. using the term AI over and over and over again yeah. to try and bump valuations. Mm -hmm. And the folks working on this are just like, it doesn't do any of this stuff. They're, they probably... They're chat GPT Yeah, they are chat GPT. This is probably why they're so impressed. It's like, it bullshits like I do. This is so great. <laughs> it can make my board slides. I mean, if anything, I think oh, executives need to be worried. Replaced by... Because <laughs> they make the most amount of bullshit generate work. Slamming together, and synergizing. Replace, yeah, synergize the paradigms right there. We could probably replace a lot of board members Excellent. with ChatGPT. <laughs> Hope we haven't offended our board member <laughs> listeners. But this is this is uh, maybe not the most generous reading, but hopefully a fair reading of what ChatGPT or OpenAI can do. What it already has been. It, it's well, already inherent to coding yeah. to automate. Like trust your developers. They want to make their jobs easier. Most of good developers yeah. want to make their jobs easier. Yeah. They will find ways to use this that you know aren't going to replace them. They're just going to make them more productive. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. The the demand for code is so far outstripping our ability to create any productivity for good benefit. code for good code true <laughs> the demand for good code is so is just so far outstripping our ability to create it that any productivity improvement is going to improve on is going to improve employment not hurt it we're nowhere near hitting peak candlestick i mean where oh we don't we don't need candlestick makers anymore we've finally satisfied the demand for candlesticks we and all productivity now, so. yeah yeah exactly yeah. and all the productivity hereafter will just shrink the labor force each time you make a developer more productive, they can generate more, which makes them more valuable, not less. Yeah. 
and creates new interesting problems. Well, this has been really helpful. I've been wanting to talk about this. It's obviously been in the headlines, in the boardroom conversations, in the country clubs or what have you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so thanks for, for running through that. Uh, anything else before we conclude today? Anything from Chad GBT? If you are a board member and you're looking to make sure that your job is not replaced, go ahead and email <laughs> us at hi at guildmasterconsulting.com. Yeah. We do provide executive coaching we and do. can make you more effective in a way that is not very easily duplicated by <laughs> a large language model. Yeah. All right. And if you are interested in joining the conversation or telling us how we got it wrong, comment on our YouTube channel. Simply search Guildmaster Consulting in quotes and you'll find us or... Uh, you know, tweet us if you're still using Twitter uh, at Guildmaster C. 